Well, praise the Lord, everybody. It is Resurrection Sunday. What a day, what a day, what a day. I've been in a lot of study um, about what it is that I should bring to you today. and um, This is really a glorious day for the church. But for us, it's really more of a day that we remember what God did for us. It's a really glorious day for the unbeliever, for the one that is lost and has no hope. Today is really your day. I'd like to come from you from the kind of the topic or the title, I Am Resurrection. The foundational scriptures that I've been led to share with you this morning are a bit longer than uh, I would normally share in a sermon, but these verses are packed with life and they're filled with a hope, a hope that I hope you get today. I would ask that you'd read along with me as I share this truth from God's word that will not only change your destination, but it will change your life right now until our corruptible puts on incorruption and our mortal puts on immortality. The first foundational text that I'd like to give to you today it comes from the book of John, the 11th chapter. It'll be the 25th through the 26th verse. And it reads like this in the King James Version. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believeth thou this. The second foundational text that I'd like to give to you today comes from the book of Romans, the fifth chapter, and this is where it gets a little wordy, uh, but anyone that knows me knows that at times I can be wordy, um, but I want to share this with you because it's, it's really filled with life um, and hope and truth and uh, freedom. It's the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, and I'll read from the 12th verse to the 21st verse. That's Romans 5, 12 through 21. Read along with me. Again, I'll be coming from the King James Version. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned, for until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the, the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift of <clears throat> the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That, at, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So here we are. Resurrection Sunday 2020. Really, the believer just ought to be in a state of celebration and exuberance that we've made it to today. As a matter of fact, as I was looking at the news media and the accounts of the COVID situation, the United States has eclipsed 20,000 deaths, and that number is still climbing. In many areas, they don't think that we've reached the peak. Some areas, they say, are flattening out, and it may not be as bad as they first predicted. 100 to 250,000 Americans dying from this dreaded disease. But it is still climbing. You know, today, it was our hope that we would be able to gather together and celebrate God, celebrate the resurrection of our Savior in church. It was our hope that we would be able to fellowship arm in arm, hand to hand, and just sing praises unto God. I can hear one of my favorite songs, There Ain't No Grave that's going to hold this body down. Oh, I can hear our praise team singing that right now. Oh, how I wish we could be together. But things as they are, we will take advantage of this opportunity to share with you a wonderful truth, not just about where we're going, but about where we are right now. These current conditions have us gathered together through technology to remember and celebrate this Resurrection Sunday. So I encourage you, celebrate it in your home like you've never celebrated it before. You ought to sing and shout and run around your house and give God glory. For this is the day that death was transferred into life. It was turned for our purpose, for our good, for our benefit. This is the day that Jesus came out of the grave with all power in his hands. It is simply awesome. And for the believer, it's definitely a day worth celebrating. If we can celebrate a Buckeye win over Michigan, we can definitely celebrate Jesus' win over death, hell, and the grave. Surely, you've heard this week from varying sources about the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, from uh, many ministries that have been talking about this, many faiths that have been talking about this. But really what I'm led to talk to you about today is why Jesus endured the cross, why he laid his life down, and why he got up on that third day. For the believer, I'll tell you now, this might just be a day of refreshing for you. 
But my ultimate goal today is to reach the lost and the hopeless in a season of despair. It's my desire, it's what I feel God is leading me to make an open, de an open declaration of God's truth into the world. While I, I don't believe at all that God was sitting on his throne and decided one day, hey, let's release COVID-19 upon all of humanity. I do believe that God will take advantage of this opportunity that this disease presents because all of mankind is looking for hope. Well, we know as the children of God, our only hope is in Christ Jesus. But many who may have never tuned into, for lack of a better word, religious programming before, are scrambling to find something that will get them through this crisis. If you've been looking to uh, mankind and looking to our leadership, they've been giving you all kinds of sources to have hope. One of the main ones is money. Because for many, money is their God. And because it's their God, it produces their hope. Just print more money and hand it out, and all is going to be fine. Well, we know that this will not resolve this crisis, but in fact, it's just creating another crisis that we're going to have to deal with down the road when all this money that's printed needs to be paid back in one way or another. I don't care what they tell you. Nothing is given for free outside the free gift of life through Jesus Christ. I live by the adage, real hope requires no repayment. You know, Newton's third law of motion states this. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And this is referring to force being enacted upon an object like sitting in a chair. Your act of sitting applies downward force, and the chair is applying upward force as a reaction to your downward force, which is equal and opposite. But anyone who has ever sat in a chair but applied more downward force than the chair could react to is a witness of what I'm going to say next. The force of sin and the force of righteousness in direct reaction to sin reveals a very wonderful thing. That wonderful thing is that God is not bound by Newton's laws of motion. Today we experience the greatest reversal in history and have enjoyed a reaction that is not equal to the action itself, but greater than that action. The action being sin, but the reaction being the grace of God. Many people in the world do not even realize that they are dead in their trespasses and without the life of Christ to resurrect them, they will remain dead in their trespasses. Jesus Christ has counteracted and reversed what Adam did. He has made it possible for us to live righteously or in right standing with God and thereby conquering death, which is the judgment of God against sin. There is a very descriptive contrast between what Adam did and what God did through Christ. 
that I want to talk about today. Adam's sin brings death. God's gift brought righteousness in life. The gift, righteousness, as talked about in Romans 5 and 17, differs entirely from the sin of Adam. You see, Adam sinned and brought sin and death to many, which is the human race. But Adam was only one man, and God is far greater than one mere man, even if that man has influenced the entire human race. God was able to do much more than Adam was able to do. God did what Adam could not do. In fact, God has done much more. He has counteracted and reversed all the bad that was introduced by Adam. You see, God has showered us with his grace, his glorious favor, care, and love. He has extended this to all of humanity, not a select few, not only those of a certain class or certain skin color, but he has extended his grace and his love and his truth to all of humanity. Ephesians 2, 4 through 9 says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We can't do this on our own. We can't save ourselves. We can't develop our own hope, it is only done through the graciousness of God. Titus 3 and 7 says that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see, God has made the gift of God, which is righteousness, available to humanity. Not just to me, not just to you, but to all of us. Romans 4, 24 through 25 says, but for us also, to whom it, that's righteousness, shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, for he hath made him to be sin, to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God's grace and his gift have abounded and overflowed to humanity. But it all comes through one man, Jesus Christ, the very son of God. There is no other way. There is no other truth. There is no other knowledge. There is no other theology whereby men ought to be saved. There's only one way, and that way is Jesus. Titus 3, 4 through 6 says, But after that, the kindness and love of, of God our Savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness, which he has done, but according 
to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior. God sent his Spirit to live in us. We have been filled with the precious gift of God, the very indwelling of his power and presence in us, that we might live in this hope, live in this glorious truth. When we look at Adam, we know that Adam's sin brings condemnation, but God's gift brings justification. You see, God's gift differs entirely from what Adam did. Adam dooms humanity, but God justifies humanity. How glorious God's justification is. Because when Adam sinned, his one sin was judged and brought condemnation to all mankind. Now some people think that this isn't fair. Why should all mankind suffer because of one man's sin? But what God did is so glorious, it explodes the human mind and reason. God's gift not only deals with what Adam's offense and condemnation ultimately is, it deals with many offenses. You see, God's gift of righteousness justifies us from all our offenses, not only from the inherited one through Adam. God's gift justifies us from all the corruption we have inherited from our fathers and from all the corruption of the human uh, race, from the human nature, the carnal nature of man, all the sins that we have committed by our own hand, in our own mind. The man who truly trusts Christ is justified from all things, from all sin and corruption and condemnation. You see, we inherited from our father Adam, committed even ourselves and caused by our own sinful behavior. Now, this is where our thoughts of fairness really run out because Jesus did not commit sin, but he becomes sin for us. You see, all of your sin is on him, and all of his righteousness is on you. So where we might say it's unfair that we inherited the sin of Adam, how could it be fair that Jesus, who knew no sin, would inherit the sin of humanity? You see, this is why Jesus died. This is why Jesus got up. This is why hell, death, and the grave have been conquered for the believer. Acts 13, 39 says, And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. And Romans 5 and 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's one of the greatest scriptures connected to our salvation. Even as Abraham believed God, it was counted unto him for righteousness. Your faith or your belief in what Jesus did. You see, it's not just who he is, but what he's done. That it was enough for you and I to be in right standing with God. You see, Adam's sin brings the reign of death, but God's gift brings the reign of life. Adam sinned and brought the reign of death upon all of humanity. But Adam is only one man, one mere man. And no matter what he did, God is able to counteract it 
and to do more because God is greater and he is able to do anything he desires. And the wonderful truth is God desires to save you. He desired it so much he took of himself so that you today could no longer be living in sin but be the redeemed of the Lord. You see, God has done much, much more for us because those who receive God's grace and God's gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Now, the term reign in life means to dwell and rule in eternal life, but the source of righteousness is Jesus Christ. You have to see this glorious truth found in God's word for yourself. Believers reign in life not just in where they're going, but where, what, in where they are right now. You see, they receive the abundance of God's grace. That's an unmerited favor. There is the gift of abundant life. John 10 and 10 says, I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And here's a wonderful truth that many of us don't even realize. There is an all sufficiency in all things. Even in this current crisis, there is sufficiency found in Jesus. Second Corinthians 9 and 8. And God is able to make all grace, that's all favor, abound toward you, that ye always have all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. In other words, I don't have to run out and hoard to make sure I have what I need because God will cause all that I need to be satisfied. There's also great power. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. The power that works in us. The very presence of God in you. He supplies every one of our needs. Very popular verse, Philippians 4 and 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then, of course, there's the abundant entrance into heaven. 2 Peter 1 and 11 says, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many of us are living unsatisfied lives, struggling and trying to find satisfaction in people and in things and possessions and relationships and actions. But this grace that God offers us provides an abundance of satisfaction. Psalm 36 and 8 says, They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasure. Saints, people of God, humanity, mankind, believers reign in life now and throughout eternity. John 16, 3 and 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 5 and 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life 
and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Luke really makes a powerful statement in Luke 19 and 17 where he says, And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, thou have authority over ten cities. There is grace and an abundance of grace to the believer. 1 Corinthians 6, and 20, uh, 6, 2 through 3 says, Do ye not know that the saints shall judge? That's rule, govern, or manage the world. And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge or to govern, rule, or manage even in the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Oh, God has set you up to be victorious in this life and in the life to come. You see, Adam's sin brought condemnation to all mankind, but God's gift brings justification of life to all mankind. Let me just summarize real quick what I've already said to you. Because of the offense of Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. But because of the righteousness of Jesus, the free gift comes to all men unto justification and life. Romans 6 and 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He goes on in 8 and 32 to say, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now the conclusion of one of the most instructive and striking passages in all of Scripture includes these three points that I'll leave you with today. The disobedience of Adam made many sinners, but the obedience of Christ made many righteous. You see, Jesus Christ lived a sinful life, a sinless life, I'm sorry. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. He never sinned. He never displeased God, not even once. He was and is perfectly righteous. And in that, he secured for us the ideal righteousness. And since his righteousness is the ideal righteousness, it can stand for the righteousness of all man. And that is exactly what happens. When mankind believes in Jesus Christ, God takes that belief and counts it as righteousness. God lets the ideal righteousness of Jesus Christ become the believer because you believe and honor his son, Jesus Christ. Anyone who will so honor God's son by believing and trusting in him, God will honor by counting their faith as righteousness, the same ideal righteousness of Jesus. It is that simple and that profound. By the obedience of Jesus Christ shall many be made righteous. But a person must truly believe. You must have the kind of belief that 
really trust Jesus Christ, that really cast your life upon him, that cast all that you are and all that you have upon him. Hebrews 2 and 10 says, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. It goes on in Hebrews 5 and 9, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now the law is given to point out and to magnify sin, but God's grace is so much greater. If righteousness then is by Jesus Christ, why did God give us the law? What is the purpose of the law? Well, the law entered that the offense might abound. Well, what does that mean? That means the law was given to point out and magnify sin, to make men more aware of sin, to give humanity a greater knowledge of sin, to stir conviction over sin, to increase the fact and awareness of sin more and more, and to connect us to a sense of responsibility for our sin. Romans 3 and 20, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Galatians 3 and 19 says, Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. It also says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster, to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But you have to fully understand the glorious truth about the grace of God. Wherever sin abounds, the grace of God abounds even more. God's grace is far more effective and powerful than any sin or sins, no matter how magnified they may be. God's grace can forgive any man, no matter how great a sinner. Yes, I'm talking to you. No matter how great a sinner you think you are, the grace of God abounds much more in your case. His grace outweighs your sin. Ephesians 1 and 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Every sin forgiven. The sins of mankind forgiven. Ephesians 2 and 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And this is one of my favorite scriptures, 1 Timothy 1, 14 through 15, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I was once lost, but now I'm found. Jesus saved a wretch like me. Lastly, sin reigns to death, but God's grace reigns to eternal life. 
by Adam, sin triumphs. It holds authority and it leads us to devastation. Romans 5 and 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for all, for that all have sinned. A wise statement in Proverbs 11 and 19, he that pursueth evil, pursueth it to his own death. Let me cut across the carpet here as they say, God's grace, it reigns and triumphs, it holds authority and it leads not to death, but to eternal life. John 1 and 4 says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. John 11, 25 through 26 says, And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? I ask you the same question. Do you believe what Christ has done for you? Do you believe and accept that today you are saved by what Jesus did? He made a way for you. And this is the day that we celebrate. Jesus got up. He got up with all power in his hands. He conquered sin, death, and the grave. And because we, our lives, are wrapped up in Christ, we can say with all confidence, we have conquered sin, death, and the grave. We live now by the grace of God to life. I am dead in trespasses, but I am alive in Christ. And the grace of God that brings life is much greater than Newton's law that demands each action is equal in their opposing force. But the force of the grace of God is so much greater than the force of sin that no matter what I've done, I am saved because God loved me and I believed in that love, in that example set and sent through Jesus my Lord. Today, right where you're at, I know that there are people that are dying not just in America, but across the world. Today, right now, right here, this very moment, you can turn your whole life around. You can escape death itself. Because for the believer, I've already died. I've already died. Just know today, you can be filled with the very presence of God by making this declaration. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in what you've done for me. And your Father counts my belief as righteousness. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. 
And I thank you that you did not just die for me, but you arose, came out of the grave with all life and all power in your hands. And today I can say, because you got up, I got up. God bless you, people of God. God bless you.